our company plan, guys. Start up, cash in, sell out, bro down. Welcome back to another episode of Away Days at Home. I think we're up to episode 18. And I am David and joining us all the way from the stormy waters of Oslo on his brand new piece of tech. It's Andy. Andy, how are you doing? Yeah, doing very well, thanks. The the waters aren't so stormy, but um, yeah. All, I know, I just like to conjure, conjure the image of like the Norwegian fishermen. I was going to say, I think you've got this uh, this image of me in in uh, some like woolen jumper in like a lighthouse or something on the yeah. on the on the edge of the choppy coast, being battered by like herring flying through the air, like because uh, it's been whipped out the sea. I'd probably prefer that to to a life of working in media, actually. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe in a few years' time, when we're on sort of season four of this, that's that's where I'll be. Season four, right? So we're, we're talking like by twenty twenty six, you expect to be a fully fledged Norwegian fisherman, right? Market there, yeah. listeners. Yeah, why not? Why not? I'm enjoying your your plaid today as well, and he's looking rather fetching in a nice kind of mustardy navy. Plaid, did you see? Uh, I, I knew you'd be wearing your uh, mustardy hat, and uh, I thought it'd be nice for, I mean, no one else can see this, but just nice for me and you if we're colour-coordinated. Amazed by that, it came yesterday, so I don't know how you knew that, but it's an <laughs> insight. Came all the way from Germany. I started getting really weird texts, thanks to Brexit, um, saying, ordered it on Amazon, and it's like, we now have your package clearing customs and i'm like what, what package is coming and then it's like confirmed duties paid yeah and i'm like what what is coming on and then it just posted through the letterbox huh? <laughs> like, i i get all that sort of weird shit when i get things sent over from the uk and every every single time it's a different experience uh one day the post office will have it the next day it's in a supermarket uh, another package i have to go and call three different people before i finally find out what building in oslo it's being stored in it's yeah thanks brexit was that always the case in norway before brexit because no, part yeah. of, it, of it, it's like the single you're part of a single it's a single customs market isn't it? yeah that's right uh, i don't i don't think it was always that way i think i think brexit has done this one like the delivery system here is weird no one gets anything bigger than a letter delivered to their house you get a note in your door saying go and pick it up from the co-op um fine uh but yeah when it's come from the uk for some reason it's not like, like i've got a supermarket next door to me that's where my stuff normally is but if it's from the uk Ah, could be anywhere. Could be absolutely anywhere. That's mad. It's just yeah. Brexit means Brexit. It just means bureaucracy. Uh that and that's that's the problem. It's killed so many it's killed so many businesses. And I know we're a football podcast. There's an article today about it, about how it's absolutely changed the Irish football kind of market. Because how previously, so? previously young Irish talent would get snapped up by English clubs. Oh, I see. Okay, they can't anymore. So they're now they're all now moving to like Italy and France and Spain, and which will be good for Ireland. But oh, absolutely, it's just it's just another case of like, yeah, thanks guys. Strange as well because like, would that apply if they? How would it work if they moved to like the Northern Irish League? Like, where how would that work? Because technically they can, because they the board. Oh, it's it's. Very strange. If anyone Very knows strange. the answer to that, maybe they can uh, 
write us a letter and, and tell us. Or get us on Twitter, that's probably <laughs> easier. Write us a letter. Uh, send us a telegram, guys. Yeah. Send it. Pony Homing Express. Pigeon, anything, yeah. The Pony Express. Send it on that. Remember that? That was like a primary school memory that just popped out of nowhere <laughs> in my head there, the Pony Express. Christ. But yes, as we mentioned, football is what we're here to talk about. And there's a lot to talk about this week. There's been quite a lot happening. And I know we said we were going to do this early week, but it's probably been good that we've waited. Yeah, I think we found the perfect day for it this week, actually, because we managed to get a few more matches in. And then today, a lot of... um. Yeah, a lot of things happened. A lot of things also didn't happen. But in terms of, you know, a lot of rumour and, and sort of transfer noise flying around, I think it's got to that point in the window now where you get the lull usually sort of a week before the, the deadline date. And then then you get the panic. And then some noise starts to come out of some of the clubs, some of the clubs that haven't maybe done anything. And you know that they need to do something. I think there's some very, very sweaty men at Newcastle at the moment, seriously concerned that they don't have a new centre-back. Well, it's been, apparently, Seville have went, had enough, bugger off, because they keep trying to lowball the the offer for the defender, and they're holding up Chris Wood as the example of why they should pay what they're asking. <laughs> oh, fair enough, really. I think it's about time that, um, that clubs started to put their foot down in in january because even if you get and this is kind of what severe said to be fair to them even if you're getting really good money and over the asking price for for your player what's the chance you're going to be able to replace them at such short notice in the window like most good standard well-run modern clubs now have a list of replacements in case they need to get someone quickly like they do with managers but it doesn't mean you can get them quickly so, yeah, I, I think fair enough to Severe for putting their foot down. It's hopefully sets a bit of an example to other clubs that, look, you don't have to be taken for a ride. And also, like, the Severe are going for the league. It, exactly. But this is why they've done it. They, they said, look, this is a good price and it's a good offer, but, you know, they're going for their first ever La Liga. Like, why, why would they want to upset that now? And to be honest as well, why, why would a player want to leave that... I mean, maybe they come to some does, sort of gentleman's he, agreement. He does want to go, apparently, because they've offered... Go in the summer. Severe have offered him a, a new contract with the same terms. And he said, no, thank you. I want to go to Newcastle. Um, go, in the, go in the summer. Like, why go now? It doesn't make any sense. You're not going to... You're not going to win the league at Newcastle, maybe in a few years' time, depending on how successful they are with their new money. But not now. Yeah, and also, like... It's just it's just a strange one. If if Newcastle are so keen on him, they'll come back in the summer. But yeah, exactly. Will they come? The likelihood of them coming back in the summer, if if he's if they're down, then I don't think a Brazilian centre back is a prime fit for the championship. No, look, if they go down, I think they'll just poach the Premier League for players that are towards their end of the end of their career that are too good for the championship but just want a pay packet and they won't have a problem coming back up but they certainly won't be getting the likes of you know Sevilla's number one centre-back so yeah it will change change their strategy over the next couple of years you'd imagine they've planned for both scenarios or you'd hope you, as a Newcastle would, fan that they have but. you would hope I think hope's the word there as opposed yeah. to expect that to have happened 
Yeah, very true. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I think obviously Newcastle are interesting one to to watch over the next few days from the transfer perspective. But there's yeah, there's plenty of other entertainment to be had. Well, speaking of other entertainment, out of the blue, the mighty Glasgow Rangers to the better sharp shooting this today. So Janino Bakuna, who came in from Huddersfield, uh, the midfielder. Fair to say that his reputation kind of for us proved to be true. Of that he he's a talented player. He's a very technical player. He just looks like he can't be bothered. So the games that he's played he's made he's assists, he's scored a goal, but he's just not cut out for it. There's just a lack of hunger there. He was offered a very good opportunity. It's not worked out. Um, he's Dutch. He's Dutch heritage, but he doesn't play for them. He plays for Curacao. Is that how you pronounce it? Curacao, yeah. Um, plays for them, but people thought, well, maybe with Van Bronckhorst and the Dutch backroom staff coming in, this is perfect for him, and they just haven't been impressed. So we managed to make an agreement today with, I believe it was Birmingham City that he's Correct. moved to, uh, for an undisclosed fee. Rumoured to be about four four hundred grand. We signed him for free six months ago, so it's it's not too bad. It's not that bad. Um, it sort of speaks volumes um, that he's gone to Birmingham City. I think it's a, that's a club in quite a bit of trouble at the moment. There's a lot of question yeah. marks around their their ownership. They've not really got any money to spend. I think there's a big feeling that Lee Bowyer was sort of sold a. A false story uh, in in sort of moving there to take over, um, and yeah, they, they they need to bring players in, and the fact that he's gone there uh, sort of says quite a lot, I think. Well, he's went out. So very short but sweet tweet and statement from the club, just saying best wishes, good luck. Right, and the, a couple of the players commented, "See you later, bro," and all that kind of stuff. So I don't think he was disliked for that. I think it just it just was a gamble that didn't pay off. We've had a few of those recently and fans aren't getting worried as much as the quality of player we're signing. We keep signing almost like squad level players who don't better the first team or the first mm. eleven. And that's been a concern. And so we're trying to obviously get rid of Simpson centre half that Gerard not signed because he's the same. He's just not not really the quality we need. Bakunas went out, but we've brought in out of nowhere today on loan Ahmed Diallo from Manchester United on loan till the end of the season with no no buy buying clause agreed, which I can't see is <laughs> why people keep mentioning this and like the press releases and stuff. He cost what was it? He cost Man United something over like over thirty million quid from Atalanta last year. We don't um... have money for that. Yeah, I think I think twenty mil up front they pay for. I mean, it's still an awful lot of money. Um, it was like, I think the the overall value of the transfer was something like forty two or forty eight million with like the add ons, add ons and signing fees and all that. Yeah, um, which is a lot of money. So they obviously and they they reported it as such a high fee as well. It wasn't like oh, it's a eighteen million fee and then there's add ons which could potentially take it to that. It was like no, it's a big deal. So we need a right winger, and lo and behold, here's a right winger who you could have asked me, Andy, last week to name 20 right-wingers, and I've been saying that we need a right-winger, 
and I've mentioned Nigel Farage before I would ever land on Diallo. Ever. Yeah, it was, uh, he's one of those players I kind of forgot about because he was supposed to go on loan to Feyenoord, wasn't he, in the summer and then got injured and then I've not heard anything about him since. Um, he was linked with a whole host of clubs over the summer. Uh, he's still, what is he, 19, did you say? Yep, 19. 19, like, he's, you know, got his whole career ahead of him. He's not really played many professional games. He's a couple for United. He played, I think, four or five games for Atalanta before they sold him. Um, yeah, he's a bit of a, an unknown, really, but there's a, a lot of hype around the guy and sort of everything you read about him is quite exciting. So it'd be very interesting to see how he adapts. Apparently, from a bit of digging and from what the Athletic and stuff have been reporting as well is, the club were feeling that he was playing in the under twenty threes, like they want to call it Premier League B or whatever, which is stupid. But the under twenty threes, and they felt that he was almost too good for that level. That he wasn't. It was just a bit, not too easy. But he just wasn't being challenged the right way. They're obviously in a tricky position themselves, Man United, right now in terms of they don't want to loan out their players to Prem clubs because it could come back and hurt them. Because really the level of club that they want to loan that player out to is their direct competition right now. So their options for that were limited. Fair play that they're trusting us with them. I think it says quite a lot that they're, they're comfortable putting an asset like that into the team in the league. Up yeah, there. that's a good point. Because um, it's, I think a lot of the time, I mean, I'm, hoping that, I'm hoping this is a turning point, a lot of the time, the viewpoint of the Scottish League is like just a punt the ball and kick and kick lumps out of players and all that kind of stuff. And I don't think it is. It's a physical league. It's very fast. It's a very fast and physical league. But as we mentioned before, when players move from Scotland to England, the transition isn't not normally that difficult and they normally perform at a good level. So I think they're seeing that and they're going, well, actually, this is really good development. He'll be playing to win. It's the, the elite player mentality, isn't it? Of like moving to a team that actually, if you don't win the game, that's a defeat. There are no draws at Rangers or Celtic. A draw is taken like a defeat. Yeah. So that yeah, level that makes of sense. pressure, he's, he, he drops right into the, the, the starting 11 for me because he's better than anything we've got in that wing just now. So it's... It's a bit of a no-brainer. And Ross Wilson has said it's not been reactionary. They're, they've been speaking for a couple of weeks to Man United about it. So that's what I was going to ask place. you about. I saw the interview with Ross Wilson. And um, yeah, he's obviously come out and said, yeah, this isn't just a, you know, we've had one player out for the season. We've got to bring in another one. And I, I can kind of believe it because I don't think Man United would just let him go out anywhere on a whim anyway. Uh, they they'd want some sort of, you know. Well, he's a first he's a first team player, isn't he? Really, he's part of the first team squad. Yeah, yeah. So it's not as if he's like the usual kind of up to the Scottish Premier League that ends up at Hearts or Hibs or Ross County or something like that. Of it's like a young Premier League player from their mm. B team or their under nineteens or whatever. And we have done that. We obviously did it with Ryan Kent and players like that from Liverpool. But this feels like no, it's it's been development. I'm not getting. I'm not going to be super excited. I want to see him play a couple of games, and luckily he's got 
He's got a tough away game at Ross County, which will be just miserable and freezing. And then he's he's playing at some like third third rate stadium on Wednesday night next week. Um, <laughs> Can't think where that is. That's just yeah, where the fans have to be sent letters from their club, their club liaison officers telling them to wash and use deodorant. True story. <laughs> which is one of the best best things I've ever seen. Um, so well, I'm I'm holding fire. I'm holding fire and getting excited. Outside of the initial like, oh, this will be good. Because he's 19 and he's coming up to a very different atmosphere for what he's knowing. Um, but he's coming from Manchester, so the weather won't be an issue. And he's coming yeah. from Atalanta, which is Bergamo. The weather will not be an issue. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's this. So it's not one of these, like, oh, fish out of water. It's going to take him time to adapt and, and whatever. I think it'll, it'll be well. And there's good players. He'll be training with good players. He's training under good coaches. So I'm excited for that. And we're also <clears throat> excuse me, we're also linked with another player um from the other side of Manchester, James McAtee, who's also nineteen. Now I know about as much about James McAtee as I know about the Southampton right back from two thousand and fourteen, Andy. Fuck all. So Apparently he's small, full of heart, technically gifted. They don't want to get rid of him. Guardiola doesn't want to get rid of him, so they're trying to. He's not signing a new contract yet, so what they're trying to do is help him find the right club for his development. And we've been linked with him. The Van Bronckhorst Guardiola connection is there because they get on really well. I don't, I don't know. I know nothing. Next to nothing about him. So. We'll just we'll wait we'll wait and see. That'll be it'll be interesting to see. Um and pro- probably the the most seamless yet accidental, coincidental link I think you've ever done and ever will do. But talking of the twenty fourteen Southampton right back, Callum Chambers, about forty minutes ago, has just moved to Aston Villa how, from Arsenal. How how fucking <laughs> serendipity. That meant there was that was that must have been subconsciously planted because I did know that he'd moved and I was going to come on to that. Uh, I honestly, I honestly thought you were you were doing some weird setup then. Um, well, no, I, I just, just, I just did. That's how. That's the quality of this show. That even without trying, the football knowledge just pours out. You know, even when we're saying we don't know, we do. We know. We know. Yeah, I, I think it's a good signing. And the reason I wanted to bring it up as well is because it probably has a slight implica- implication for Rangers, right? Because there's been a lot of rumour about um, Gerrard's sort of Going coming back in for Goldson. Well, Goldson's think, been well, linked with championship clubs. This which, week. which, from what you've said previously, is probably more likely than a move to Aston Villa, who are a team that look like they're sort of on the on the up on their way through the top 10 of the Premier League. And especially now when you look at Villa's back line, you, you can't really see them signing another centre-back, not one that's going to start anyway. No. There's always that feeling of like managers like their players and they'll, they'll always have one or two they go in yeah, for. Yeah, of course. So I wonder if that's been hanging over. But surely Goldson, his agent would have been doing this talking and would have found out if there was any interest at Villa anyway before this. I think Chambers, someone said that 
basically Danny Ings is trending on Twitter because people are saying one of two things. They're saying this is just exactly like when Villa signed Danny Ings and that out of nowhere, boom, deal done. Mm. And then someone else is saying they're playing Football Manager 2014 because they've got Ashley Young, Danny Ings, Coutinho and now Chambers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's a there's a fair point. Uh, I wonder if Danny Ings played with Coutinho at Liverpool actually. Let's let's have well we have a wee look. Let's see Danny Ings. I think he, I think he might. Uh, maybe it was a bit early. I don't know. It, it'd be close. It'd be close. So Coutinho was there. What 2014? Are we saying 2015? Something like that. Danny Ings played at Liverpool 2015 to 2019. Yeah, so, there, there must have been the overlap. Yeah, so good signing for Villa. Solid, dependable. Um, Their squad is starting to really take shape. On paper, I think it looks fantastic. With they've just they're signing the right type of player. They're such smart signings. Like you can't. I'd I'd be surprised if anyone has a better window than what what Villa are having. Even if Villa don't sign another player, but Luca Dean for. Was it 20, 24 million or something like that? Chambers, there's it's undisclosed, but I I doubt it's a very high fee. Coutinho on a on a loan with a decent option to buy at the end of the end of the season. That's three really like squad strengthening signings. Um, so and yeah, they're, they're improving the. It's exactly what I said would happen. The coaching is improving the players. Yeah, they have very good coaches. And they they know how to play players in the positions they're supposed to play, and I think the signs they're making are filling in the gaps that they've noticed. And I think Chambers, from what I've seen, it I've never been a massive Chambers fan, so you'll know more than me, Andy. But he's a ball playing centre half, is he not? Yeah, and he's pretty decent fullback as well. You can play him on the right if needed. I think that's that's probably beneficial to them as well. Um, but is yeah, he's a, is he an attacking fullback? Uh, can he get up the wing? Like he can. You? He's not like your modern day sort of wing back uh, because he is predominantly a centre half. But um, yeah, he can he can still attack. He can still put the ball in the box nicely. Uh, there was there was a point where we had. I mean, Nathaniel Klein was our right back at the time. He got injured. Chambers came in at the age of about nineteen, I think. He'd played a couple of games before at centre back, but he came in and sort of took Klein's place at right back and. We had Klein down the right, Luke Shaw down the left, neither of whom are particularly like agile to look at, especially Shaw with everything that gets said about him. But both of them were fantastic at putting the ball in the box. Chambers, if he's playing centre-back, will get up for corners and probably score a couple of headers as well. He's you know, a pretty strong guy. But the, the, only, the only concern I would have as a Villa fan about signing him is he's picked up a lot of injuries over the years. He's only 27. Um, yeah, that's he's had a lot me. of injuries he's a lot of injuries well I've, I've done a bit of research into the, the transfer fee and Sam Dean at the Daily Telegraph his understanding is that there was no fee involved because he was expected to leave in the summer for hee-haw as well fair enough I mean that makes it an even better signing for them but I mean they have signed him on a three and a half year contract though so if he does pick up another bad injury because he has had like you know he has had like 12 month injury layoff previously so if he gets another another one of them it's even longer three and a half years might be a bit of a concern but i guess there might be a clause in there or something yeah maybe maybe 
but yeah, I think smart signing though, um, and a, a squad strengthener, like I said before. So yeah, I think Villa certainly of the of the twenty Premier League teams are having the best window so far. We're just happy that Villa haven't had a sniff around us at all. I'm a little surprised that they haven't, and I I kind of would be surprised if they actually do now. Maybe I don't know. Let's let's see what happens after the window's closed next week. But maybe there's a little bit of respect being shown um, Could be. Could for be. not coming in in January. But like you might get raided in the summer. Fair enough. Which, but, based yeah. on the, the tournament that Joe Rebo had at the African Cup of Nations, I think he's now definitely a finally, which we wanted, got on people's radar. Mm. Even though Nigeria got put out, that was no fault of his. Um, he played four games, including that one. Out of the five, he was rested for one, I think, or he played two, or whatever it was. And he was trending on Twitter constantly after every game because people were like, who is this guy? Where is, where, where is he from? And just Rangers fans, obviously going through every Joe Rebo tweet, being like, <laughs> he's at the, be- the world's most successful club, Glasgow Rangers. You're not having him. Someone tweeted, oh, United will get him for three million. And everybody piled on it, piled in on this guy. Or it was like five hundred grand. It was something ridiculous. And everybody's like, Jeez. "We've just sold our second, second choice right back for sixteen million. Go fuck yourself." <laughs> um, I think Rebo had a very good tournament, even though he was playing. They've played him as like a, a defensive midfield pivot, which is not by any stretch of the line his position at all. Mm. But he did it. He, he played for the team, but he was just, everybody was like, he's just so classy in possession. And he was just everywhere, like a spy, like spidery legs, because he's such a big guy. So, unfortunately, they got knocked out, and it was, I don't know, if, do you know this player, Umar Sadiq, that plays for Nigeria up front? I've heard the name, but no, I, we I don't signed know him. About we him. signed him on loan when Gerard first came in from Roma, and he was terrible. And we had to play him in the semi-final against Aberdeen because Morelos had got booked the round before. And he was through and goal and he had the chance to shoot, take it around the keeper and shoot. And he dived. <laughs> he dived and and got booked. And that was the last time we ever saw him. And he was terrible. And then in the last like year, he's been linked with like 40, 50 million pound moves to like Atletico Madrid and all this. And we were all like, what? Sadiq? And it turns out he's now somehow flourishing in a career and he was a striker um, that was on for Nigeria in that last game they were playing against, I think it was, Alge- was it Algeria or Tunisia? Tunisia, I think it was. Mm. Um, And he was through on goal and it was a carbon copy of the Aberdeen chance. And this time he went round the keeper and he put it wide. Oh, and no. finally, finally, Sadiq did something good for Rangers and he sent Joe Aribo home. <laughs> so Joe Rebo is now available for this weekend's game and for the Celtic match, which we are delighted about. Well, especially with that... Haji now being out for this season, like you couldn't, you, you need you need as many big names as yeah, you can for that match. Haji's been trying. I'm a big Haji fan, but he's he's almost been trying too hard before the injury, and he's been getting played at position. He's getting played in the right wing. He's not a right winger. With Aribo away, it was his opportunity to play in the hole, play in the number 10 role. That's his best position. And against Stirling Albion on Friday night, I think it was like 14 minutes in, 
goes to take a shot and the defender comes across him from behind. Not malicious, but it was basically his blind spot and comes across as Hadji's having the kick of the ball, full swing. Defender nicks it away, and so Hadji kicks in between the defender's legs and rattles his own leg Aww. right off him and then just went down. But wasn't like waving the arms and all that, just went down and then thought, oh, could he run it off? Limped around the field and it turned out that no, he, he badly injured his knee and had to have an operation and that's him for the season. So it's a blow. It's a big blow in terms of like squad quality and stuff. But then young Alex Lowry came on, young youth team player, uh, one for the future, and he was man of the match against Stirling Albion, who we we expected to beat anyway. But he scored yeah. the opening goal. He brought he had a swagger about him. He's not pacey. He's not like someone that's got length and pace or anything like that. Like you always think young players are going to just have this explosive pace, but no, he just is very silky, which is nice. See, like a nice silky player, and he has like the the kind of if. I don't know how you would describe it. Wavy, wavy hair, shoulder length hair, you know, just like very kind of like young Mick Hucknell. <laughs> Do you know what I'm I mean? Sure like almost like, almost like a permeate type person. He's not ginger or anything, but he's that. And he just has that kind of swagger and that, the, the the arrogance of youth about him. So he, he played well. He was over the moon. He signed for the club when he was eight. Like, and now he's he played at Ibrooks and he got man of the match on his debut and scored the opening goal. Like it's it's dream stuff. So happy we were happy with that. Tav had a penalty, scored it, two 0 had another penalty, missed it, keeper saved it. Keeper was a Rangers fan back in the day and played for the club in his youth, so I think he enjoyed that. And then who else scored? I'm trying to remember it was it feels so long ago. We had Fashion Sakala. Got a good goal and said to Ted, Cedric Etan got a goal as well. Etan's kind of dividing opinion at the moment. He's trying really hard. He really wants it, but I just don't know if he's good enough. I don't know if he if he's just mm. trying he needs to click. You know, sometimes strikers just need to click and then it, it all yeah. everything they touch. And then Sakala. Sakala's great. Pacey. He's getting better every game. Still kind of decision making's not quite there, but really impressive so off the back of it happy to be in the the draw the next round draw expected to be in the next round draw and i think i might have said in the prediction i fancied 4-0 can't really remember you did you said 4-0 i fancied 4-0 so i wish i'd put the bet on but obviously i just don't don't do that anymore mate so we had that and then that took us to last night's match against livingston celtic were playing hearts away we fancied maybe something of that um, another one of their Japanese players scored like a 30-yard thunderbolt. So now he's the best player in the league. That's what I've seen all day today on Twitter. He's a, he's a diamond find of the transfer window, all the usual, because he scored that goal. It's Celtic probably went... good for you that these guys get this sort of attention in the press, though, because it's going to put the pressure on them when, when the big game comes around. You would think, but I don't think they... I don't know how great they're... they're... The, the reading comprehension of English is. So, I'm sure it gets translated for them uh, um, from all their pals back in Japan. So that happened. Then oh, I wasn't paying attention to the scores. Then I did see it came out as 2 1. And I thought, oh, and then I checked at the end of our game and Hearts had had a penalty and hit the post. Yeah, I saw that. 
It's a I know, it's just hammer like, blow. Fucking bastards. Um, so our game, weather conditions, I've seen before the match, people going to the game being like, it's horrible. It's like freezing rain. It's dark, windy, cold, miserable. We're playing Livingston. This is not going to be an exciting game. But they brought on, they started Alex Lowry. He started in the position. So that was encouraging. Scott Wright was on the right wing. Uh, Etan continued up front. Sakala out left. Then we also had James, with James Sands again. And Kamara. And then just the, the usual back line. Barisic, Barisic Tavernier. Um, oh, my brain is absolutely melting. Bassey and Goldson with McGregor and goal. And on the bench, the bench was more exciting because we had Ryan Jack back. He's had his setbacks for injury, but he was on the bench. Arfield's back from injury. He's on the bench. We had um, Kemar Roof on the bench coming back from injury. So we're like, right, let's get some, maybe let's get a goal or two and then get these guys on, get some minutes in the leg in the run-up because the next couple of games are really important. And it was a slog. It was dire. Again, Lowry was lighting up created a couple of good chances. Itan was just, every time, just a yard off the pace. Because we're obviously missing Morelos because he's on Colombian international duty. And you realise, it's that thing, you realise when he's not there, what he brings to the team. He's just such an important player. But, second half, slogging on, rain, wind, again, just no, no taking our chances. Bring on Arfield and Roof and Jack. And Arfield scores a what could only be said is a Zlatan Ibrahimovic goal of the ball. Barisic gets the ball at the byline inside the box, cuts it back, and with the... With his, I don't know how best to describe this, with his shoulder in line with the goal line, about 12 yards out, so he's facing the cross. He takes his right foot and kind of... I don't know how you would describe this. Swivels his leg inwards, away from goal, to then use the outside of his right boot to flick the ball as the cross is coming in. Does that make sense, Andy? I'm trying to... Yeah, trying I, to, I, I think I'm following you. Like I'm trying to sort of picture it. A cross is coming in, you're facing the cross, and rather than turn your hips to hit your left, you... Almost like you're stretching your groin. You know when you push in and then mm. you pull your, your knee out? He does that movement and flicks the ball with the outside of the right foot towards goal over like up in the air and drops over everybody into the far far post corner now I'm, I'm doing a terrible job of describing this but just imagine like a kung fu zlatan style kick at goal and as soon as he hit it and the angle you're kind of watching it, you think no and it drops in and that gave us a goal and we managed to hold on one nil and got the win I think it was one of those nights where the win was just the most important thing. We forget the performance and we move on. You need those kind of games, like when you're, you know, when sort of any title chasing team will will talk about those matches as the ones as as to you know why they won the title. Like ah, oh, that one, you know, we scraped through and got that that win on that you know that cold night away to whoever it might have been. You always hear, I always remember sort of Ferguson talking about those kind of matches when, when United had just won a title. Um, the, the ones you grind out are sometimes the most important. The main thing for last night was, yes, we're in a, a, a weakened state at the moment, 
but all these players are coming back, which is the most encouraging thing. Um, obviously, we've brought in Diallo today. I would hope we maybe bring in one or two more. Maybe with the money that's came in for Bakuna, use that to go out and just sign Suter. Now, 400 grand. That's another defender on centre-half pairing that we've got. Midfield, even though we've got a lot of midfielders, we missed like a number eight. We missed a box-to-box attacking midfielder. Arfield came on and made the difference. He'll, it's mad how commonplace the term low block is, but he breaks the low block that teams do because he pushes by them. And we don't have any other midfielders that do that. Like, honestly, even a Rebo. Rebo won't push by them. He'll have the ball at his feet and kind of glide by them and then have a shot. Whereas what we want is we want a midfielder bursting in at the box and taking opportunities. So we'll see what comes of it. Overall, happy. On we go to Ross County, ideally get another win, and then go to Parkhead and really the pressure's off us. Pressure's all on Celtic. Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, it's it's definitely a, like a high-pressure game for, for both clubs, more so for Celtic, obviously, because if you did lose, it's what becomes a one-point gap, assuming you both win your next match. I don't know who they're playing yeah. next, but you've got Ross County, I think you said, right? Yeah, we've got Ross County. After I mean, you, you've got Southampton, up. sixth and seventh choice fullbacks to try and get past, so uh, it, it will be a tricky one. But um, yeah, who, who is Celtic playing next? Celtic have in the next match. What do you do? do, do. Celtic are at home to Dundee United. That'll be a Dundee. That'll be a Celtic win. I mean, that should probably be a yeah three points for them as well. So let let's say you go into that match with um yeah with a with a four point gap. Um, the pressure's massively on them, and it'd be interesting to see sort of how how they sit up and how they how they plan to attack you. You imagine it will just be Ange ball from the start. Well, he doesn't um, he doesn't compromise, does he? It's only it's the only way he knows how to play and wants to play. Attack, but, attack, attack. But even with those managers that have their sort of one game plan, it's often when they come up in, in the big game, the one they have to win, that you see them do something different and you think, where the hell did that come from? So you never know. It'd be interesting to see how he lines up. You'd imagine it will be more of the same. But the the very short, the very short in midfield, Celtic. Even okay. though that the Japanese signings. There, uh, Callum McGregor shattered his cheekbone at the weekend in the cup. Ouch. They're saying, oh, he might have a chance of playing. I, I don't, I don't foresee him playing. With one of those, like, protective face masks. After a week and a half. Yeah. Well, it's, it's happened, it has happened before. I think, I vaguely remember, I think it was Lukaku wearing one for, for a while. Um, well, there's that. You've got um, Turnbull still out injured. Then you've got Tom Rogic has been called up by Australia, so he's away. You've got um, Maeda, the Japanese striker. He's been called up, so he's away. The other two haven't been called up. Um, Kyogo, hamstring is fucked. They've, of been course, very, yeah. they've been very quiet about it, but he's not playing in that game. Pretty, sure, pretty adamant he's not playing in that game. Um, so... Big players for them missing. We've had big players missing for a long part of the season, so mm. we'll wait. We'll wait and see. I keep saying we'll wait and see. It's just 
I think we need to do an, we need to have a good performance at the weekend against Ross County because the last couple of performances in the league have been pretty dire. Granted, we've had people missing. The, the excuses need to stop, and we need to start focusing and actually pulling the finger out and start yeah. to pull pull away. Because it's all very well saying, "Oh well, Celtic, the big game on the Sunday afterwards." It's Hearts. That's a big game for us. Yeah, you know, we're at home. Then it's um, then it's Hibs. So it's all Celtic, right, so... Hearts, Hibs, and then it's Dundee United away. Like, there's not. It's getting to the stage where there's not really any easy games in the month. Of yeah. Day. So maximum points out of that run, and you're probably in a pretty good we, position. Yeah. If we get maximum points out of that, if we be, like, if we win the next what five games, we've won the league. You heard I, it I here first. I feel comfortable saying that. I think if we win the next five games on the trot, we've won the league. Um, remembering that we've lost that. in the last year and a half we've lost one game in the league um, but I think yeah because Celtic then go Celtic we've got Hearts at home Celtic are away at Motherwell for Park should be a tough game then they're away to Aberdeen on a Wednesday night should be a mm. tough game then they have Dundee at home they should win that um, then they're away to Hibs so you're kind of looking at that run that they've got, and you think right, they'll drop. They should drop a couple of points there as well, on the road. If we can get to, if we get to March, and we're top of the league by seventy ten points, massive. Um, but it's worth keeping in mind that really up until late last season, and a couple of like disastrous ones when it's normal title competition, it's normally only between like. Four 47 points in it yeah and Celtic yeah. have spent a lot of fucking money this season as much as everybody's like oh we're coming back from being desolate you're only that bad last season your team wasn't that bad on paper you were just really badly coached and now you've spent a lot of money so they brought in another player this last week um, for a couple of million I can't, I can't even tell you his name but it's we haven't spent anything. We're signing these loan players and that, and it's like such a big gamble. I think that's why we're a little bit antsy around the transfer window of, can we maybe, we need something, a little bit of Hollywood, please. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes it's better to keep the team as it is and stay consistent. I think to integrate as many players as they've signed in, in the January window mid-season is super tough. Um, as where I've said, I think Newcastle are going to really struggle if they do go and sign sort of five or six new players. Is how do you how do you integrate them all into the squad into the team? But I think you're seeing that Celtic are able to do it because the the squad as a whole on paper is better than the other teams except us. Yeah. So they're still they're still scrounging wins. They're not blowing teams away by any means, but it's because the opposition's not been the strongest. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. I, I still think, you know, new signings can always hit the ground running in the first couple of games, but for a number of reasons, like new managers do, I think you you probably need to look at it over the next sort of five or six games to see if these guys have actually properly integrated. Yeah. And also, like, once 
you can have one good game and then you can yeah. be terrible. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how their, their players do. I think next week will be an interesting one under the, the discourse of Parkhead. But mate, we're not talking about like my other prediction. I was on fire last week. I should have done a double. I said a draw. You would have got some decent money on that. Saints, Man City, talk us through it. Yeah, it was it was a really good game to watch. Uh, there's been quite a lot said um, in the sort of aftermath in the press afterwards about what a decent game it was for neutrals and how a one-one draw can be, you know, can still be a good football match. And it, like it really was. It was it was end to end at points. City were obviously dominant for like chunks of the game and camped out around our box. But to be honest, they had a couple of decent chances. Um, one being a good save, one being a, uh, a a pretty poor miss from Sterling, I think it was. But other than that, I I didn't think they really really threatened with the the end product in in the final ball. Um, we defended incredibly well. I think we we set like Ralph set the team up very well. Um, it looked like quite a punchy formation on paper, but when you saw sort of how the players actually lined up within that formation it was quite clear to see that look we we're just going to stop them trying to work the ball into the box which is what they do i i find it so boring to watch man city i i don't understand people that say they're a they're a fascinating team to watch or they're an exciting team to watch it's obviously clever management and clever style of football but i, I find it so boring it'd be like sitting and watching someone play fifa um dominate the ball get to the byline, work the ball into the box when you get in behind the defender and have someone tap it in, which is why they don't need a centre forward. It's so, so boring. And we it sort is, of... It is, but at the same time... It's effective. Got, it's effective and it, it's not easy to do. No, That's it's not. not an easy style of But football. it's boring to watch. Um, and we we nullified it um, for most of the game. Like... All right, we probably got a little bit lucky at times, but you have to if you're going to nick points off of the the reigning champions and the team that's just won whatever it was, 12 games in a row in the league. Um, and I said this last week, I was like, some, someone's got to stop them. They're not going to win every game for the rest yeah, of the season. Yeah, and I thought, like, I didn't... I didn't... I didn't fancy you to win. Obviously, I don't think anybody really did. But at the same time, you've been hitting a decent run of performance. I'm not going to yeah. say form, but you've been hitting decent performance. You've got a manager who knows how to set up tactically when it matters and can drill players to a system. And I think that's what we were talking about, about how you have alternative systems in place. That, that's right. That with Brentford, and we brought well, that up before. Alternative and systems and players that can play in two or three different positions as well. And, and that combination... Shape. Exactly. The shape, they don't get pulled into the position they normally play in, or yeah, or they lose the lose the focus of being in that position, and I think that all came together really well for you. Yeah, um, that's it. I think I mentioned before that that sort of it looked like it kind of slotted into place in that Crystal Palace game um, after we got beaten by Arsenal, and I, I don't know what it was that clicked. Then something happened, but it seemed like players started to be able to like focus on the, the role and the position they've got. And that can change through the game. It can change depending on who has the ball. It could change, you know, on a number of things. And they seem so much more comfortable with that now. Um, it's also coincided with James Ward-Prowse coming back to form, which at the beginning of the season, he was a bit of a passenger. And 
I, I think he, from what I've read, he was carrying an injury. Whatever it was, it doesn't really matter. Like he wasn't up to his normal standard. He now is, which means we're now playing very well because his form is so central to, to, to how well we're doing. Uh, he's just been nominated for like player of the month in the Premier League, which is no big surprise. Um, and yeah, I, there wasn't there wasn't a bad player on the pitch for us. I thought we were fantastic. Um, you can't have a bad player on the pitch if you're going to take points off of Man City. Um, we we had the same when we drew with them uh, at their place nil nil uh, back at the beginning of the season. We had the same when we beat them one nil um, season before last when Shea Adams scored from about 40 odd yards, like every player has to turn up sort of 100% in order to, um, in order to go and get a result against a team like that. But I hope other teams look at this and see that like they are vulnerable. Man, Man City can be got at and like we got at them. We could have scored more than once. We had a goal disallowed for offside. It was marginal. It was the right decision, but you know, it was ruled out for offside. We came close on a couple of other occasions to scoring as well and like really should have scored one of them. And you think if we'd gone 2-0 up, which there was a very good chance of that happening, it could have been a very, very interesting uh, sort of finish to that game. Like, yes, you'd fancy City to come back and really have a go in the second half, but we could possibly have held out for a win at 2-0, I think. Um, so, yeah, you know, I hope it encourages other teams to go and have a go at them. Just if, if for nothing else, just to make the title race slightly more interesting. I think it was interesting you saying all your players had to be at 110% because we were saying from Man City that they are a team unit. So you need you need you need 10 v 10 on it. Yeah. Because all it takes is one or two to switch off. And as you say, that intricate football and that, that's where they pass through. That's where they find their moment. And the weakness, and they, they they strike quite rapidly. So you need becomes almost what you don't want them to become is like a, every game's a cup final. Like yeah, absolutely, City, that's right. Where teams hype themselves up and get to a certain level in, in order to kind of reach that level, but at the same time, the bigger clubs, and by bigger clubs I mean the the main competitions or the ones that are competing for the Champions League spots should go at them and should really do it. And I think Chelsea showed it last season. They can be beat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. In the league and then they did it at the biggest. And Guardiola as a manager is a manager who, to your point when you were talking about Ange, does blink in the big games and try something different and maybe sacrifices a system or sacrifices a player that you wouldn't you wouldn't expect him to do. And a lot of the time it doesn't work. Yeah, that's right. It's kind of interesting. Um, and you wonder why some of the other big teams don't try and get at them a bit more and, you know, and, and do something about that. And especially a team like Liverpool, I, I, when I look at the way Man City play, they are exposed at the back. They're really, really exposed at the back uh, because they they like to camp in the opposition's half. They get men forward. Um, and they, they play with their defenders like on the wrong side of the halfway line. Now, Brentford played like that against us and we tore them apart. Um, Man City can play like that because they've got the, the calibre of players to do it. But um, yeah, I just I wonder why like the likes of Liverpool, Chelsea, uh, maybe even Spurs, like don't, don't try and take advantage of that a bit more. Maybe they're afraid of being 
caught short at the back and getting done on the break by City. Like you, you obviously don't want that, but um, yeah, it just from what I saw um, on on Saturday night when we played them, it just felt like they were very exposed, and that that's how we almost got in a couple of times after the first goal. And the first goal was outstanding as well. The, it was sort of a five pass move that started at, at, at the left back position for us with a great crossfield ball. A um, couple of passes down the right. Redmond playing a nice one through to um, Kyle Walker Peters, and then yeah, Walker Peters finishing with a with a cracking shot on the on the half volley, and like it really was a lovely goal, probably one of our best goals of the season. Um, and even that aside, like you know, Broyu was through twice, and one of them was offside. The other one, I can't quite remember what happened. I, th- I think he might have got tackled last minute, or keeper made a save or something, but. Uh, yeah, we had we we had big chances to score against them, and if you press high against that defense, they will make mistakes, uh, and that's exactly what happened. So, if uh, if if Jurgen Klopp is listening, uh, please, <laughs> please please do that next time you play them. That's uh, that's our that's our German listener. That's one of our German uh, of listeners. Because he, he, yeah. he does it with the VPN from from Merseyside. He's got his German VPN, so he can watch his favorite shows. And then forgets to turn it off and just listens to us. It's the only way I can explain it. Almost definitely what the case is, I think. Um, The one sad thing for us after that game is that we've now got to wait what feels like an eternity for our next Premier League game. I was going to say, no. This stupid mid-season break. (laughs) Welcome to my purgatory that I had. And the, the worst thing is, the transfer window's shut as well by that point. Yeah, so you're kind of just you're kind of just twiddling your thumbs because it's but it's an international break as well, which is a lot it, of players away. It just feels it feels very strange to do it at this time. Um, and we we play in the FA Cup in that gap, um, not this weekend because this weekend there's just no Premier League teams doing anything. Uh, but the weekend afterwards we play at home to Coventry in the FA Cup. Um, great, I'll, that's a Saturday I'll, I'll three went. o'clock. Are we <laughs> please no um nah we'll, we'll beat them they, they got one eye on trying to get in the playoffs i think they'll probably rest a lot of players and they don't have a very big squad so we should we should we should win that game but the stupid thing about it is we play that on a saturday and then wednesday we have to go and play tottenham why why have we got this stupid week off and having more midweek matches doesn't make any sense we've got wednesday night against tottenham and then Saturday lunchtime against Man United, both away games. Why why are we playing Wednesday night and then Saturday lunchtime? Why aren't we playing on the Tuesday night and then Saturday evening or Sunday lunchtime? It doesn't make any sense, especially with them both being away games. It's, it's ridiculous. Football, football administrators, mate. Don't get me started. Oh, honestly. We've, we've, your rant is like listening to my rant. Two weeks yeah, ago. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Very true. Right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna cut out a lot of stuff in terms of we could go through the league as a whole. There's some interesting stats. Basically, the last five games, Man City and Wolves have taken the same amount of points, which is quite interesting. Um, in terms of if you're a Wolves fan, you're kind of just lingering in that quite unassuming position, waiting to pounce as Wolves do. Okay. Yep, Dave. absolutely. Um, but let's let's jump down to sixteenth in the table and let's dedicate the next ten minutes to. What the hell is going on in Liverpool? Not under Klopp's half, but under the madness that is Everton. 
Andy, you tell me. <laughs> what is like we 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 thought Everton would be fine. They had Benitez, they had a good start. People can go back and listen to the pods and they can see us saying, Oh, great, great manager, great appointment, good signings, some steals, oh they're getting they're picking up points. Fast forward twenty games in, they're sitting sixteenth on nineteen points. Um, they've not won a game for quite a while. Fans are in revolt. Managers are on TV begging for jobs. Graffiti. You know it's bad when Lampard in is positive <laughs> graffiti. Like what is what's happening? It, it's hard to say, isn't it? That there's a number of things going on here, which is why if I was an Everton fan, I'd be really concerned with what I'm seeing. And I, th- I, I honestly, I think they're genuinely concerned. I read an article today and one of the comments on there sounded like Saints fans at the beginning of this season and at the beginning of the two previous seasons, which basically said, we're in big trouble here and our only hope is that there's three teams shitter than us in the league. And honestly, it was it was like reading a, a Saints forum of the last couple of years. Um, not now that we've got Gao out and our, our, new, our new guys in, but um, certainly at the beginning of the season, uh, that was the feeling we had. And it's funny seeing uh, fans of another team say that. And look, like we've seen big teams pull down into the, the lower half of the league before. We've seen them then, you know, get rid of the manager, sort things out and, you know, push their way back up the league. I remember it happening to Chelsea a couple of seasons ago. Do you remember that? I think when yeah. they got rid of Mourinho again, it might have been. I, I can't remember. That might be wrong. But they were they were down in sort of 15th, 16th place. And then obviously they had a managerial chain, sorted it all the, out the squad, and finished the up squad, in 8th or something. The squad was... The squad had won the league pretty much. Like it was a, yeah, a yeah. champion, like a champion winning squad. There was so much experience and ability in there, and that was just a total dressing room meltdown. And then it was kind of readjusted, wasn't it? And they, they steadied the ship and, and came up. Everton, though, don't. Yeah, good and that's players kind of there, my point. But they've sold some of their best players. They've got rid of all the back room. They don't have a direction. They have a manager that seems uh, an owner, sorry, who seems to be all over the place. A chairman who's obviously just a puppet chairman. Yeah. Like and Ken Wright. Like he can't really do anything. It's it genuinely a, a real like a real mess for them because Yeah, like like you mentioned, they 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 got rid of the backroom staff and and uh technical director and one of their best players showing that they were backing Benitez and <laughs> and then they get rid of Benitez. You think, all right, fine. Really stupid decision to, to do that sequence of events, but then maybe maybe there's, you know, maybe there's an ace up the sleeve. Nope. No idea who the new manager's gonna be. Everyone gets linked with the job. Meanwhile, Watford managed to sack their manager and bring in an established Premier League manager in the space of two days. Um, and Everton is still farting around looking looking for their new boss. They've obviously interviewed this Pereira guy who, I'll be honest, I know absolutely nothing about. I've had a read-up about him. He's got a very mixed record. Everton fans clearly don't like what they've seen. Um, the fact that you know he's been relegated in Germany, he's been sacked by Fenerbahce, uh, he turned Everton down before, in fact, a couple of years ago to take a lucrative job in he China. Just, he sounds like he sounds like a Wolves manager or a um, a Watford manager. Really. Yeah, he really doesn't. And I, I get the Everton fans, but then 
then the guy goes on TV and basically gives a second job interview to Sky Sports News. Uh, that was weird. And then um, then the Everton fans, straight after that said, get down to Goodison Park and protest and someone spray paints Pereira out Lampard in on, on the side of the stadium. And you're thinking, well, the bloke's not even signed a contract yet. Um, and look, maybe, maybe he... Maybe he will turn things around for them if he's the guy that's brought in. It looks like Lampard's now the front runner. But if there's any fans listening to this, I I would say from experience, be careful what you wish for. I remember back in, well, I don't even know what year it was, 2004, maybe 2005. Um, Gordon Strachan was coming to the end of his contract with Southampton. I never rated Strachan personally. He got to an FA Cup final. Great, but... I don't think he was a good tactician. I don't think he was a good manager. Uh, he was a little bit of a fan's favourite. I, I never quite saw it. Anyway, long story short, he was leaving at the end of the season. I think he actually ended up leaving a bit before the end of the season. We were rumoured to be bringing back Glenn Hoddle, who had left us for Tottenham and taken our best defender when he went there. Um, he had basically signed the contract to come back to Saints. Saints fans kicked off about it. The contract got ripped up, cost the club quite a bit of money. We then brought in a succession of terrible managers, which led to us then eventually bringing in Harry Redknapp um, after he left Portsmouth, came to Southampton. Terrible idea. We got relegated uh, a couple of years in a championship, lost our money down to League One, saved from going out of business a few days uh, before the, 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 the final nails were put across the door. I'm not saying all of that is because we protested Glenn Hoddle being uh, our next manager, <laughs> but... It didn't kick off a good se- uh, sequence of events, so I, w- I would say, like, I don't, I don't know if Pereira would be a good manager, but you you got to be careful sometimes with football, like what you wish for, because the grass isn't always greener. Well, the other the other candidate in the mix is Duncan Ferguson. It's just, it, I like Duncan Ferguson. I I think Everton fans obviously love him. He's a club legend. I think he's just like a, a proper footballing bloke. Is he a Premier League manager? I'd argue probably not. Um, I think that would be an appointment. If if that board make that appointment, that is done to please the fans. He'd be in there for the rest of this season and a bit of next season. Um, and then someone else will have to come in to help them get out of the championship. Yeah, but I wonder if that's they need they need the fans on side. It's happened last time. He he didn't get the job, but like he took interim charge for about four or five games, didn't he? And he put a rocket yeah. up those players and got good performances out of them. But you know he took charge against uh, against Villa and the returning Steven Gerrard uh, the other day and got another flat performance. There's big problems at that football club and it's hard to see sort of what it is and where it's come from and they can't blame Benitez for this. Benitez isn't at the club anymore um, and it's certainly not his fault that they're down where they are. Look at the money they've not spent um, until the January window. It just it's very I was gonna say it's 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 heartbreaking, but they also gave us sixteen million pounds. So yeah. good luck. Good luck, Evan. Yeah. Good luck, Patterson, who played I actually watched their under twenty threes match. It was on YouTube live. Um because Patterson was playing. Because I've tried to understand why the hell he wasn't in the squad at the weekend. No idea mm. why he wasn't included. And he set up the goal. Cranking cross, broke down the wing, ball out to him, lasered the ball, like pinged the ball. At the player's head, like all the player <laughs> had to do was just—it was just one of these kind of like right across, and then. So that, that's what they need, though. They've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin up front, who's or it's just come back from injury, but they need him to hit some form 
immediately. But they got Rickarlison as well, who's also pretty good in the air. Like they need guys to whip the ball in. That's what Luca Dean was so good at. That's why every fantasy football fan would stick him in the team because he he's a defender that gets assists. Um, Seamus Coleman's always been good at it down the right hand side. Obviously, he's getting on a bit now. They've brought in players to challenge his position. So they clearly that that well, I say clearly that that seemed to be what they what they're going for. But um, they need they need to hurry up with it pretty quickly. They're playing their next two games. I think are um, Newcastle at home. No, Newcastle away and Leeds at home. In I think in that order, they're two massive massive games. If they don't win those matches, I think they're in serious trouble. Newcastle leads Saints, Man City. So February. Yeah, they love beating Saints. They they do us every yeah. single season. Uh, they did this at the beginning of this season. Uh, but you know, I mean, right now they're out of form, and we're not. Who knows? They don't but, have. There's not. There's. I'm looking down the list of fixtures. There's not an easy fixture left. Like they no, because do... after they've played those three games, I think they've got three or four of, of like the top seven. They've got so let's go Newcastle, right? Which is they must win that game. It's a it's a must win. It's a it's a classic six pointer, right? Yeah, yeah. Leeds six pointer. They need yep. they need they need to do that. You guys, you want the points, but you're not in the fight with them, mm. so they need that. Man City, like I'd be amazed to get anything. This is all under current form. Things might change. Then it's Spurs away, Wolves, Watford, massive match, West Ham away, then Man United, Palace, then it's Liverpool, Chelsea, Leicester, Brentford, and then finish at Arsenal. Like, fuck that. Fuck that. If you, no wonder the fans are like building bonfires and getting the pitch yeah. rocks charted. You can see why they're worried, and they, they are right to be worried. Everton are one of the few remaining teams that have never dropped out of the Premier League. And yeah, this could be the season we see another one go. But this is why when we were talking at the start of the season for Saints, and then you were starting to pick up points. And it's like, get the points on the board early. Just get the points on the board. Keep it going. Get your security. Get the wins. And that was the biggest concern, was you weren't winning games. You were getting draws. Exactly. We've we've still only won five out of twenty-two, but like those ten draws have probably probably helped us somewhat <laughs> as well. Um, but yeah, we've only we've lost seven games, but having the five wins and we've obviously got you know two wins in our last no yeah two wins in our last five and two draws. I think it's it's reasonable form, and I think we're we're ten points above the drop now. We're on twenty-five. I'd imagine thirty-seven, thirty-eight might keep you up this season. Like with what three wins and a few draws away, yeah. I think even maybe, maybe a wee bit less just based on it's so tight. I'm looking at, I'm looking yeah. at Everton, Everton are on 19 with two games in hand behind you. They win at the, the level with you, they win their two games, yeah. That's right. They're not going to win their two games though, uh, not, but yeah, but, you are right. But like, if they catch up at some but like level point, so it's the swing is there if they if they were to pull that off, um, but. We'll, we'll come up, we'll, we'll touch other teams on the next pod because I think there's a lot to digest in that Everton point as well as the transfer window. And look, we've got a free pass next week for you guys because there's no game. So we can we can do a deep dive into a couple of the teams. So listeners, let us know 
I'm going to put, a, I'll put a question on the Spotify thing again. I don't quite know how you respond to it, but people manage to respond to the questions. So let us know any team in particular you want us to focus on. We're also going to get, hopefully, a guest on the next edition to give a little bit of insight into another team outside of the Mighty Rangers and Saints because, except obviously Celtic, um, it'd be nice to hear someone else's viewpoint on their actual team and how they're performing. Don't know any Everton fans, do we? I, I, I used to work for one. Unfortunately, I'm not in touch with them anymore because that, that could have been quite interesting. Um, but no, I, I don't know any Everton fans. But we will have, and we'll also have a little bit of international coverage, I think, in the next one. Which is the same. Yeah. I'll, tease, I'll tease you with that, Andy. I won't tell you. I'll just spring a guest on. <laughs> now, now I'm intrigued. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it'd be interesting to hear from. Uh, someone who's got a different perspective on one of the teams that we're, we're slagging off every week. We're always, we're always slating. Yeah. Um, there's, there's many. There's, no one can say we're not fair and consistent. No, no. I think we, we give everyone much, a good rap. In. I think we we slate everybody. I don't think there's any team that kind of escapes. I think maybe the only team that's had like some praise consistently, Man City to an extent, but you kind of ripped into them today for being boring boring overrated yeah overrated um <laughs> chelsea we gave lots of praise when it was good but we've also went into them yeah i don't i don't think i think i think west ham west ham might be the only one that has escaped some criticism pre yeah, season we just don't really care about west ham do they <laughs> <laughs> just, they've, they've, they've cra- crawled along quite quietly and uh, they've Dropped a few points recently, but they're, they're still in a sniff at top four, which is kind of mad. Um, Speaking of mad, something to get us in search rankings. Let's talk about John Terry and NFTs quickly. <laughs> Let's talk about NFTs. If I keep saying the word NFT, maybe they'll, like, I don't know, does Spotify, do they digest the audio and they're able to say, like, this, is, this podcast mentions NFTs? Sport NFTs, specifically. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they do that's that could be how it works so john terry's obviously been caught up that like anyone listening to this i would assume they know what an nft is because you can't escape them the old non-fungible tokens i don't i don't care what anybody says it's a scam it's 100 it's a pyramid scheme scam of people buying something and then frantically desperately showing you that they've bought it and telling you how valuable it is to try and create some sort of like FOMO and scarcity within a person, which makes them want it. Because I can't understand any other reason to have it. It's a, uh, it's a strange sort of status thing, but like it can only really be a status thing for the absolute elite. Like how can anyone, how can you or I or any average Joe possibly compete for that status when... Basically, you're you're buying a a gif for you're not you're, you're thousands buying a, and you're thousands. buying a hosting URL. You're not buying the you're not buying you're buying the hosting you're buying where it lives. Yeah, anyone can write you can right click it and you have it, like right click and save it. You have the same image. And what's interesting about that is the reason I mentioned John Terry. So that weird ape thing that he's doing that like isn't racist but was felt pretty racist 
like the one of William and stuff like that. The monkey with the like all the monkeys were multicolored, but his monkey was brown with an afro, um, which was really strange. Considering John Terry's monkey was blue and was a monkey and didn't have hair. <laughs> like anyway, was was John Terry's one not wearing a Chelsea shirt as well? Yeah, it had the Chelsea shirt on. But the I think the the William one had like a Brazil shirt or had some sort of shirt on mm. and had trophies in the background, which are, are intellectual property because of the the what, the Premier League trophy and the the Champions League trophy and stuff like that. Plus the Chelsea top that I think had Adidas or what like it had the yeah logo. It, had, it had the sponsor and which means also intellectual property. So Chelsea's went in on them. They have taken the lawyers involved. Um, even though he's back working at Chelsea now, he's like a youth coach. Um, the Premier League is getting involved in it. The UEFA are getting involved in it. But what's really interesting about it is, right, so say you bought, as you said, like, you buy this NFT. You buy into this weird apes club thing that you set up, this football thing. And then say I, say I get one of Ali McCoyst. <laughs> the Ali McCoyst ape. And I pay however many Ethereum it is, see, let's say it's cost me 15 grand and I'm listed as the token owner and you can go on OpenSea and you can see that I'm listed on it because that's the platform that he's put it on and all that. If it infringes IP, OpenSea can just remove it and it's gone forever. And you don't get your money back. Money's gone, the lot's gone. Everything's gone. So, what's the point? <laughs> I don't understand. I, I, oh, but you own this. No, there's no, there's no value to it. It's not a membership. It's a membership to a club. A club of showing that you're, a, you're in the club. Like it, it doesn't have a, like an actual. I don't see the value to it. If it was, for instance, I buy this NFT of a can of Iron Brew, right? And there's one of ten in the world. And I purchase that. I win it. Let's say I win it rather than purchase it. And it's with that NFT as a rights holder to that. I am I am allocated three hundred and sixty five cans of iron brew a year. One a day. Cause that's what I'm in. And I can also get a tour of the factory once a year. And I also get like exclusive offers or whatever right through the company then there's a then there's a tangible value attached to the ownership of said nft you know like and then you can say well i want it but actually the value of that is x but every time it's sold in the in the in the actual token itself it says 20 percent of the value goes to ag bar that make iron brew or twenty percent of the value of every sale of that goes to X charity. Yeah, right? and then there's a value attached, and you can see it, and you feel it, and I get, I get it, and you're able to. Then you can hold something. You can. It might be intangible. It might be a concept. It might be an idea. It might be a piece of IP. You can, you can own it, but there's a value attached to it. The value attached to having a fucking monkey is your profile picture. Adidas and all that are involved. I just don't fucking understand it. Yeah, look, I, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree anymore. Uh, two things I'd say. One, I think 
this this ape one that seems to be popular with a lot of the Chelsea players. I think there is some kind of like club that you become a member of by by purchasing one of these, and I think there are benefits maybe in terms of events and things like that that's that you get like to that, attend. That's like that sailing ape this the, the first monkey one, apes club. It's like oh, yeah. you've got it, you can attend these events. Yeah, because the people who set it up are making millions and millions of pounds. Yeah, exactly. This is what I'm saying. It's a thing. They it's, give them away. Like they give them yeah. away and they they do it. Whereas if you're John Terry and you're saying to the average fan, yeah, buy this, and you're telling them to put, you're basically telling them buy yeah. this because I'm John Terry and you can be like me, and they spend five grand and then it's whipped away from them. It's a pyramid scheme. It's just it's it's not there's. They spend five grand and then they want to convince themselves it was worth five grand. So then they say to their pals, You need to buy this. This is amazing. Look how cool this picture of this monkey is. Like, yeah, I know. You spend I, five grand, buy it off me for six grand. You know what? I'll sell you for yeah. three grand. Look, it's, it's a rich man's status symbol and it's, you know, can do some serious danger to the average Joe. Um, I think obviously the hype has come from the, the whole. I don't know. I feel like the buzzword of the last sort of six months has been metaverse, 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 met- and I think it's all come from that. And I, I, I don't, I don't know what the average like intellect of a Premier League footballer actually is. Like a lot said about how stupid they are. They're not stupid. A lot of them probably incredibly smart people, uh, and they've got smart dis- people around them as well, and a lot, and a lot of, of disposable income. A lot of downtime. A lot of disposable income. Exactly. And you know what? Some of them will probably make a lot of money short term off this kind of thing. Um, but I think it's it's currently riding on a wave of, of, of sort of popularity and c- celebrity status and and pure buzz. And maybe it will materialize into something different when it kind of evolves past what it currently is. But what it currently is, is, is just ripping people off. And there is zero value whatsoever to, to having this people talking about it as art it's not art where are you gonna hang this like in in your metaverse house when you've bought like a plot of land for god knows how much off of whoever the hell you buy this land for. like i Mark don't know Zuckerberg. yeah <laughs> i i would like to close the door in the metaverse and and uh not enter if that's okay yes and on that rant note that both me and Andy had there. <laughs> we can leave it on the fact that for the first time in history, a human-made object is going to unintentionally hit the moon. Have you seen this? <laughs> the out-of-control SpaceX rocket is going to smash it the moon. So if we make it to March March fifth, like this, like the gravitational pull of the moon, the moon doesn't get whacked out because of fucking Elon Musk. Ah, uh, you ever just get the feeling that you? We're starting to really, really hurtle towards that dystopian universe that movies have told us about for so long. Yeah, we might well be on the way there. And hey, look, if you know, if it um if it does happen on March fifth and completely wipes us out, we'll 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 never know how this fantastic football season finishes. Well, Saints won't be down in Rangers will still be champions, so it will be <laughs> positive. <laughs> right, on that note. Cheers, everyone, for listening, and we will be back next week. Have a good weekend. Cheers. See you soon.